You are entering another classroom, one so strange and unfamiliar it is scarcely recognizable as reality. Your next stop ahead, the Oddity Film Society. Society. Times are still strange and unusual, but it looks like they're getting a little bit better now. I'm Thomas, and this week we watched Wes Anderson's Rushmore. I'm Anderson. I'm Sydney. I'm Cameron. I'm Ben. And I think that was a perfect intro. Except for you forgot yourself. No, he said it. Did he? Yeah. Really? Okay. Okay. We we watched Wes Anderson's. Oh, okay. All right. I I did it maybe a little bit different from some what I do sometimes, but. Uh. Okay, I'm I'm old Thomas, so you can't just switch things up on me. Uh, okay, so this is our last podcast of the 2020-2021 school year. Uh, it was a hell of a year, pretty pretty unusual, uh, had certain challenges, but I think that it's kind of nice that we still got to maintain some sort of film club while we were all under house arrest. Uh, and uh, so it's a little bittersweet, I think. Um, we're losing Thomas and Sydney as they go off to do bigger um, and more amazing things leaving the rest of us in the dust. Um, mostly me, but that's okay. I'll, I'll endure somehow. Oh, thanks, Thomas. Uh, so, uh, what do you have in the news? Uh, <laughs> Cameron, do you want to give your Anderson news? Which I still haven't figured out what it is. I'm intrigued, though. So, at the beginning of the year... Oh! <laughs> Mr. Anderson and I wanted to see who would get the most box followers by the end of the year. And it's a tie. Is it really? Oh my oh, god! What? We ended with a tie. I'm so happy. That is amazing. <laughs> um, I, I refuse to look... Uh, and so I'm looking right now, and I currently have 25, and you have 25? We both have 25 Letterbox followers. Okay, so what, what do we do in the event of a tie? I don't know. So, so the, the bet was that the loser would have to um, declare the, the other member of the film society as having superior taste, <laughs> and declaring that a movie beloved by that person and loathed by the other is actually a fantastic piece of cinema. Um, and so now it's a tie. Does that mean our, our taste is equally horrible? I think so. Yeah? Our 
followers taste I, I think that would be for certain our followers taste would be awful mm-hmm. anybody listening to us or following us on letterbox should definitely stop and cancel us <laughs> cancel us <laughs> i i am amazed 25 but you uh you just joined this year to letterboxd right no uh well maybe like a year and a half okay okay so yeah okay well hard on there (laughs) that's the i feel like that's the perfect way to end this i think so too are we going to revisit it next year i think so yeah okay um well congratulations cameron uh i think you have pretty okay taste I think you have okay taste too. Thank you. Um, okay, I got really nervous. <laughs> really nervous. I decided to pull up my letterbox list of what I watched, and all of a sudden I was like, oh my goodness, that's the news. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, what do you have for news, Thomas? Um, kind of exciting. The trailer for Halloween Kills has been released, which is the follow up to Halloween 2018 which in itself is a follow-up to Halloween 1978. Uh, I forget, can you remind me, is it allowing Halloween 2 to be part of canon, or is it just a sequel to Halloween 1? Just Halloween 1. Okay. Uh, I watched the trailer because I was kind of excited to see it, and then uh, pretty quickly into the trailer, I was... A, a little upset with myself that I allowed myself to watch it. It was the first trailer, so I figured that it, it wouldn't have a ton of content. But it felt yeah. uh, like it told a, a ton. Like I, I feel like I saw all of these different set pieces and kills that I, I would rather not have seen. Yeah, like I don't know how much more gory it's going to get because it feels like it was pretty gory in the trailer. Yeah, um, I, but then I think the, the further on in the trailer, when I got to the end, I feel like they just released a lot of content from maybe the first act. And then it's going to go in a, a different sort of direction. It, uh, and I wonder if it's going to do the Halloween 2 thing, where it, uh, it ends up in the hospital or like a, a very specific setting. Yeah, so I think at least probably parts of it are going to be in the hospital because you see that in the trailer. You see uh, Laurie Strode in the hospital. Yeah. I, I, I thought the Halloween... Uh, what year did the, the last one come in? 2018. Okay. I thought the 2018 Halloween was fine, but I was a little disappointed that it didn't go in a more interesting direction given that uh david gordon green was directing it and uh and worked on the script i I thought that it would be a fresher take and it it just sort of seemed like a a good sequel but not anything new what else has he worked on david gordon green uh pineapple express uh prince avalanche um which is pretty fun if you want to watch um Paul Rudd uh, paint lines on a road. Prince Avalanche is pretty pretty good. Um, so he he does a lot of comedies. 
But I then, think, yeah, Danny, Danny McBride was also involved. I think he was maybe a producer on Halloween 2018 or something. I, I think he got a writing credit as well. Yeah. Um, and it 2018 definitely didn't go into uh, heavy comedic beats, which I thought was kind of good because it, it, it could have gone into that. Um, it could have yeah. attempted to be more of a comedy, and it didn't. So I I like that it was more. I liked uh, the like the little bits of comedy that are in it. I liked them. Like the I thought those two cops were pretty funny. Yeah, it it didn't seem like a comedy. It seemed like the humor came from character. Yeah, um, and and Julian, the little the the little kid that the that the that that one person was babysitting. He was pretty funny. Yeah, so uh, David Gordon Green, if I look at his filmography, uh, we've got Pineapple Express, Your Highness, The Sitter. So those are kind of like goofy comedies. Uh, but then he's got Prince Avalanche and Joe. So he kind of straddles the kind of like indie drama director and then these comedies. And then more recently, he's gotten into... Um, the horror stuff. So apparently he's working on um, The Exorcist um, and Hellraiser as a TV series. Um, so I don't know. And uh, and apparently in the works for 2022 is Halloween Ends. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I don't... I mean, maybe this is a spoiler, but I think... David Gordon Green, I think it's him, but he, I think he's gone out to say that this is, is Empire Strikes Back the second Star Wars movie? Yes. And I think, I think he's gone out and said that this is like the, that Halloween Kills is going to be the Empire Strikes Back of the Halloween In movies. what regard? I think, I think probably maybe them like, they lose at the end. Okay. Um... I, I thought maybe it would be the uh, the one where we find out that uh, Michael Myers is actually Laurie Strode's father. Oh. Maybe she loses a hand. Uh, so those kittens that I mentioned, we got them, and this Whoa. is one. This is uh, Zelda Mew Mew Thunderpants. Say hi. Um, she's pretty. She's pretty fun. She's noisy. She mews all the time. So the Mew Mew part works, and then we named uh, the other kitten, the uh, the boy, we named him uh, Kit Kat Dollarama. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was the... What you, did you propose, like, Dollar dollar Tree or something? Dollarama. Dollarama? So we, we kind of blended all of our, our suggestions. So Keaton wanted Zelda, and Xander wanted Kit Kat. I wanted Dollarama, and Tassie wanted Mighty Mew Mew Thunderpants, and so we just sort of smushed them all together. That's so cute. Yeah. And uh, it took a while. We, we really tried to make sure that the dog knew that they were friends, not food, and uh, and now they kind of snuggle, and the dog runs after them and cleans them. It's pretty, it's pretty neat. I don't think I knew you had a dog. Oh, I got a dog. Her name's Ivy. <laughs> Ivy the Destroyer, oh. actually. Um, Ivy so, uh, that's Halloween Kills. Uh, what do you think of the trailer, Thomas? Yeah, I liked it. I was 
it's kind of got a an interesting oh. like thing. Sorry, my timer went off. Um, I have to go check on my bread that I'm making. So I apologize for anybody that might be listening to this. Um, I'm a little divided because it's the end of the year and uh, there's a little staff get together that I have to go to. So I'm I'm making food and I ran out of time because the the timing for our get together uh, bumped up. So I was planning on getting stuff done after our podcast and before I had to go, but that's not working. So uh, Thomas, if you, you liked it. Check, do you want to check on your bread and then I can let you know? Okay. I will pause the recording, and then we'll resume okay. it. Okay. Okay, and I just got back. Uh, the uh, the baguettes look like they need a little extra time, so I'm going to uh, check it again. So, Thomas, tell us, uh, you liked the the trailer? I, I liked it. I was, I think even, like, and especially, like, watching, like, breakdowns of the trailer, I'm like, dang, they really do show a lot. Like, like down to, like, that's really, like, that character who is like in the last movie is probably gonna die, and even like confirmations that like returning characters from like like the first like 1978 one, you're like, oh, that's cool that they're bringing them back. Oh, but you see their dead body in the trailer. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of that, and uh, you know, you see a lot of like the kills and everything in the trailer, which is eh. they show a lot. So, directors usually have little to do with the trailers that come out. Um, So, I don't know, it could be the studio really wanting to pull people in uh, by showing all these exciting bits, but uh, I'm really hoping that maybe they're they're front-loading maybe what happens in the movie into the trailer from the first little bit, and then the movie's going to have... uh, more surprises but i was uh i've tried to forget what i saw uh but i i do remember that it 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 was very detailed and i think it is set in i think it's set on the same night i think it's like a direct continuation like halloween 2 the other halloween 2 from 1981 i think it's a direct continuation of the same night. Yeah, it, one of the things that I really liked was uh, in the trailer it showed them escaping in the back of the pickup truck and then they see the uh, the fire trucks go by and I thought that was uh, really interesting and I kind of wish that that could have been the trailer. Um, that, 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 it, that actually was, for a long time, that was the, a little teaser that they had okay. and I was like, that's, that's, and, I, and it worked and it was good enough because you're like, oh, you, you dreaded it but it was like, you got a little a little taste of what it was going to be like but you didn't see like really anything mm-hmm. you know um. uh, at, at first I, I was almost a little confused because I thought maybe I had already seen that footage I, I thought they might have been reusing it from the first but then they just they just put, like picked it up I guess from that beat Yeah. and that's how um, Halloween 2 starts it's, it's pretty much exactly at the end yeah. of, of Halloween 1 Okay, what else? Um, Michael Myers has a burnt mask, kind of burnt-up mask, which is, I think it's all right. But the big thing in it is apparently, I mean, maybe this is just a theory from Laurie, but she thinks that uh, every time Michael Myers kills, he 
transcends, like, he's evil incarnate. So, like, you know, because she's like, no man could have survived that fire, because at the end of the second one, technically, in the timeline, Halloween 2018, they, they trap Michael Myers in the in a house and they burn it down. I don't know. What do you think of that? So it's maybe going in a more supernatural. I I wasn't a huge fan of it. I, I think yeah. less is more. And when you try to, uh, I think, expand on the mythos from Michael Myers, it becomes a little goofy. And they did that. I, I guess it kind of starts out with that, but it's more just speculation and it doesn't necessarily need to go anywhere so when um when uh crap i'm, I'm blanking what's the psychiatrist's name uh, loomis or yeah loomis Star um so when loomis is like he's saying that he, he's evil incarnate that's just his opinion right and i guess this could be Lori's opinion too but if they take it in in a direction where it does become supernatural. I think the what makes Michael Myers scary is not that he's supernatural, but just that he's this... I, I, I like the analogy in the 2018 movie that he's kind of like a shark. They just He keeps on moving and killing, and that's basically what he does. Um, but that he's not injected with, like, shark DNA... Or yeah. <laughs> slowly turning into a, a shark or something like I don't know. And I think actually, I think I, after watching a breakdown, I think he it, it maybe says that he's hiding in a gun locker. And I think maybe they show that in the trailer. But you know how they're like he's in the basement in that gun locker area in the Strode house. Mm -hmm. And I th I think maybe there's a shot in the trailer where you see him like lifted up inside mm -hmm. the burning house. So. That, you're right. I think it could just be Laurie thinking that. that I hope so. Um, and that was just a more practically. Yeah, he still got a little burnt up, but he was hiding behind that whatever the steel door thing is that would protect the guns. Yeah, I, I just think it works better when he's just a, a killer. Yeah. Um... I guess moving on, uh, a trailer for a movie which looked interesting, kind of funny, uh, The Werewolves Within. It's like a, a police officer is stationed in like a small town, and uh, and then he's like, you know, uh, I don't know if it's like a hotel or like a bar or something, and it gets snowed in, and he's snowed in with a bunch of people, and then I think people start getting picked off. It kind of looks like, you know, I think it's the kind of thing that would possibly appeal to you, Mr. Anderson, you know, like kind of one location, kind of, it looks funny too, which is, you know, interesting, you know, kind of almost like perhaps like a comedic version of the thing almost, you know, it looks kind of like there's going to be a lot of paranoia going around the group. I don't know. It looks like a pretty good trailer, like a pretty good movie and okay. Indiana Jones 5, there's been set photos for that, um, which is this thing. It's been a long time since Indiana Jones 4. It's been like 12 or 13 years by now, I think, but I'm excited for that. Um, the trailer for uh, the next G.I. Joe movie, Snake Eyes, has, has come out, and... 
I started to say this at the beginning of the podcast, but uh, on a podcast that I was in in grade 10, Mr. Anderson talked about uh, that there was going to be a Snake Eyes movie being made. And then I don't think anything really came of it, but now it's happening, I guess, a couple years later. Um, there was a new trailer for Shang-Chi or Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which is a new Marvel movie. Um, and it has a couple returning characters, one from the Incredible Hulk movie from 2008, and it's Abomination, and also Wong from uh, Doctor Strange. Did you hear that last little bit, Mr. Anderson? Uh, no, I didn't. I came in when you mentioned characters from The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, Abomination and Wong from Doctor Strange are apparently in the new trailer for uh, Shang-Chi or Shang-Chi. Oh, okay. Like, it's, uh, it's like the big kind of sting, like, right at the end of the trailer, mm-hmm. which is interesting to see them show up. And it's, and I think Tim Roth, uh, Mr. Orange, Pulp Fiction, and Reservoir Dogs' own, uh, Tim Roth, I think he's coming back for, I think he was listed as coming back, uh, on the Marvel Investors Day as Abomination in the She-Hulk TV series for Disney+. Plus. Okay, that sounds good. So, it's interesting that he's showing up here first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he looks different, he looks more like in the comics with, like, the gills and stuff on, and the fins and all that. Okay. So he, doesn't, he doesn't look like he did in the in the Edward Norton movie. Okay. Uh, I liked him rough. Uh, I'm not crazy about the abomination, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, when you mentioned the werewolf uh, movie, I was thinking that it it did remind me a little bit of the thing, but I was thinking as well that it's kind of like a movie version of the ultimate werewolf card game. It's like the mm, social deduction yeah. game. Isn't that the thing where you have to pick out who's the who's the werewolf and is that what that is? Yeah. Yeah. So it looks interesting. Um, I guess some, I don't know how controversial this is, but uh, I think apparently Disney has changed Boba Fett's spaceship, the Slave One, the name to Boba Fett's Starship. At least, uh, well, Lego released the Lego set recently of of the of the of what was formerly called the Slave One, and it's now called Boba Fett's Starship. And I guess some people are not so happy about that. Thoughts? Uh, it means very little to me. Yeah. I, I, I think, I don't know, maybe they're just, I don't know if it's they're changing it because, I don't know, like, slaves in the title, I would imagine. That's why Disney is maybe changing it. Maybe it's just for the Lego set. Maybe, I don't know. I think it's something silly for people to get upset about. Yeah. Uh, if, they, uh, if they are upset about it, if, uh, I don't know. But I'm, I'm not a Star Wars fan, and it doesn't matter to me what you call Boba Fett or his spaceship. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine with whatever people's opinions are. I just thought it was an interesting interesting little thing. Uh, 
The Green Knight is a trailer. It's a A24, like, fantasy movie. So it's, like, about a knight, but it's also, like, yeah, don't forget, we're A24, and this movie's probably going to freak you out a little bit. But I don't know. It looks good. It looks good. It looks uh, kind of dark and and interesting. There's a, some CGI in it, which is interesting. I think CGI, maybe it's practical, but... Um, it's definitely an, an interesting looking movie and it's cool it's something a little bit different from A24 but it still has that dark kind of scary feel to it um, oh I, t- I talked about this before Mr. Anderson what do you think of Indiana Jones 5 it's happening this is my last bit of news I'll say um there's like set photos and everything. I don't know. Uh, as a franchise, I'm fine with them continuing it. I I didn't hate the most recent one. Uh, the alien stuff didn't really, really bother me. It, it just wasn't a very good film. If they want to continue it, I think it would be nice if they put it in the hands of a new character to take it forward. And that very well might be happening. Um, you know, I think, you know, Harrison Ford is 78 years old. So, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, you know, if he wants to just keep doing these movies, you know, I'd, you know, I'd be fine with it. But I also wouldn't mind seeing someone new step into the role or even a reboot or something I think could be interesting or a remake or whatnot. Anyways, I took a long time on that news. So, if anybody else has news. Um, I have a small kind of thing. Um, just because our last podcast was with Army Man, uh, it was announced that Paul Dano has been cast as the Riddler for the upcoming Batman movie. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I- I'm excited to see that. I am as well. Uh, the what we see of the Riddler makes him look like a, a very different uh, Riddler than, than I've ever seen before. Hmm. I'm looking forward to it. That The Batman is what actually got me, I think maybe reading Watchmen after Mr. Anderson lent it to me was kind of like the catalyst, but The Batman was kind of what launched me into comic books when I heard about that. And, you know, it got me to read the long Halloween and all that stuff, which was, I think, a basis. Those comics were, like, a basis for this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it, though. Yeah. It looks it looks like... I, I'm assuming it's going to be PG-13, but it looks like they're really pushing the PG-13 rating, which is cool, and it looks dark in a way that... I guess I'm, like, in a different kind of dark than what the Christopher Nolan movies were. Mm-hmm. It feels like brutal like uh like when batman (laughs) beats up that thug at the end of the trailer Mm -hmm. well even the riddler uh he seems a little bit more i don't know serial killer e i i got more kind of vibes from something like seven yeah i've heard a lot of people comparing it to seven um, and maybe it's just a, a progression from the Christopher Nolan. Like Christopher Nolan was a step. Um, yeah. 
And even if you compare the the first of the Nolan Batman movies to the second, begins to the Dark Knight, um, the Dark Knight becomes darker still, and a little more realistic. Um, so maybe that was a a step. And I'm not really sure you would get a movie like The Joker, if it wasn't for the Christopher Nolan Batman movies either. So mm -hmm. maybe it's just a progression. Yeah. There um, Sorry, go ahead. No, go on, go on. Um, this is a different kind of thing. Um, Dune, Last Night in Soho, and The French Dispatch are all set to release on the exact same day. Uh, so October 22nd, they'll all be coming out to theaters. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. I do so miss theaters. I'm not really sure why, like what the... There has to be some sort of reasoning behind putting them all out on one day, but... Competition. <laughs> so, uh, Soho, Dune, and what was the other one? Uh, French Dispatch, which is the new Wes Anderson. Okay. Uh, which one are you going to go see first? Are you going to see them all on the same day? Probably. Yeah? But if not, definitely French Dispatch first. Okay. That's I want to see that one. So, I don't know. I'm excited. I think I want to see Dune first i think that that's where you'll get the most spoilers kind of but the book is out so like i think i don't know depends uh, on how different the movie is from it but. yeah well I, I just really like danny villeneuve uh quite a bit and so seeing him do a a big epic movie like that would be really interesting i really mm -hmm. liked his blade runner and then all the stuff that he did before i think is pretty fantastic um, he hasn't made a movie that, that I think missed really at all. And, uh, and then I'm, I'm really intrigued by Soho, but I'm not sure. Yeah. So I think I'm tossed up on, on what the second one would be. Yeah. I think maybe Dispatch and then Soho would be last because I think Soho might be the one that disappoints. Yeah, I think so too. But it could be really cool. I, I don't know. I just... The, the trailer looks interesting, but there's something about it that makes me just sort of... Uncertain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, do you know if they're all getting wide releases? Um... I don't, I don't know. Okay. It's a good question. I don't know. Okay. But, yeah. Cameron. Mm-hmm. Going back to the Batman trailer, mm -hmm. there is there is at one point a body seen with the Riddler with its face covered up. Would you how how would you feel if it turned out that that was a character that that character was played by Daniel Radcliffe and the and the Batman was a secret sequel to Swiss Army Man? I think maybe <laughs> I would probably like stand up and yell in the theater and just be so excited. Can you imagine? Like there, there'd be some people who would be like, "Yeah, this is great," and then there'd be a lot of people like, "No, what? <laughs> I wanted the Batman." Yeah. What would you yell? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Not Manny. I missed you. Oh, um, I thought you were dead. I don't know. Like, like when he's, uh, 
you you just hear from like off screen. Hi, buddy. <laughs> just like quiet farts. <laughs> I wonder if Manny would become a sidekick for Batman. <laughs> that would make like the Harry Potter fandom go crazy because they ship Cedric and Harry like there's no tomorrow. So and mm. like a goblet of fire. And uh, yeah, it's it's all it's all a connected universe. And Manny yeah. has that like grappling hook thing with the crunch mm. in his mouth, and Batman uses <gasps> it the grappling hook. It's all coming together. So Batman gets rid of the utility belt, and he just wraps Manny around his waist. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got like a like what Chewbacca does with three CPO. He's, he has a, like a backpack. Another connection. Star Wars. Harry <laughs> Potter. Batman, Swiss Army Man, it's all coming together. It's just flawless. <laughs> yeah. We'll make it happen. All right. Uh, any other news? I don't think so. No. Is Beverly or Sydney, do you guys have news? I don't have any. Unfortunately, no. Okay. Uh, I'm pulling up my handy dandy letterbox so I can look at what I watched. So, uh, I watched a documentary called Hail Satan, uh, that follows the American church, uh, satanic church, um, around and just sort of investigates their philosophy, which is mostly about freedom and self-expression. Uh, and it focuses mostly on how the the church is attempting to have a satanic statue raised on government property anywhere there's some sort of religious um, statuette that is also there. So there are uh, a bunch of government offices and on the same property there's uh, some sort of like representation, representation to Christianity like a Ten Commandments, and so the Church of, or the Satanic Church, thinks that it's only fair for them to have a statue that is set up as well. And so you could probably Google it and see what the statue looks like, but uh, they developed this statue, which is your basic Satan with the goat head and um, cloven hoofs with two children uh, in front of it that look very happy with the Satan deity. And they actually got to place some of these statues around the United States. It's it's rather funny. So this is this is a documentary. Yeah, it's real. Oh, okay. Um, and so the the weird thing about the Church of Satan or the Satanic Church is that they, I don't really think, and it, it seems to come across fairly clearly, they don't really worship Satan, but they do appreciate the um, the concept of an adversary and the idea that we should always challenge the status quo, and that's how they would like to position themselves. And so when, like, they, they attempt to make waves when they feel like things are unfair or people aren't being given their voice but then it also follows into their uh rituals where there's a bunch of sex stuff and nude things and, and, and just very 
bizarre rituals for a group that doesn't really seem to believe that what they're worshipping is concrete, uh, which seems weird. I like the idea of being a counterbalance to uh, authority, but then when they go into their, their ceremony, it, it's kind of goofy to me. But the, the documentary is all right. Um, and then Thomas mentioned A24. I watched uh, Saint Maud. Uh, it's available on Netflix. It was really uh, neat. I'd recommend it if you're looking for something kind of spooky. But it's it's not just... Saint Maud. Right. Pardon me. Is that did Sam Raimi do that one? So I think he might have been somewhere along the lines a producer, but he has nothing substantial to do with it uh it's not really a horror movie it's a little bit more of a, a character portrait with some maybe horrific elements thrown in um and it's a neat uh look at dealing with trauma and religious obsession I enjoyed it. Uh, it's got a lovely runtime. It's less than an hour and a half, which I think is pretty pretty fantastic. Uh, and I think I'd like to give it another peek again. Um, but I liked it. The performances were, were pretty outstanding. And uh, then I watched something that wasn't really outstanding uh, called The New Mutants, Thomas. <laughs> it was okay, I guess. Um, it, it was How interesting. After four years of hype. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was four years of hype. Given that <laughs> it sat on the shelf for so long and, and apparently had reshoots and stuff, it, it didn't seem to be a mess like I thought it might have been. It's okay. It's an interesting alternative to the Professor X environment for mutants where here's a, here's a school where they're trying to teach people how to deal with their powers and... Uh, coexist with mankind and this one's more of a let's lock them away um, because they're dangerous so that was sort of neat I felt like it didn't really have much of a a payoff um, yeah I don't know it, it, it was alright if you want something to watch that has uh, maybe some, some action to it and it's kind of like a fun teen story uh it might scratch that itch, but it, it never really seemed to become much of a horror movie, and it also didn't really fully become kind of like a, a breakfast club either. But it was it was fine enough. Uh, I seem to remember in the trailer. Is there a scene when somebody like stretches through like a wall? Am I rem like like as a homage to Nightmare on Elm Street or? Maybe that doesn't happen, and I'm just thinking of Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, you know what? I don't remember. I feel like it maybe happens. Maybe. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've seen the trailer. Yeah, I, I don't recall. I, if, you imagine, if you remember it, it's probably accurate. <laughs> okay. Uh, how about we go in alphabetical order? Thomas, what'd you watch? Um, okay. The final scroll opening, at least of the on the podcast. 
By the way, I opened that. I listened back to what that sounded like when I did that last time, and it did not sound. It was not like, oh, this is cool and satisfying. It just sounded like bad feedback. <laughs> um, I watched Big Trouble in Little China again. I think, and I don't know if it's because I, I watched it with my dad, and I was like, I, I, I think I maybe overhyped it for him, and I, and then he didn't really end up loving it, and I think, I don't think I liked it as much as the first time I watched it, maybe that was because of a, a couple of things going on, because maybe I could tell my dad wasn't, like, loving it like I hoped he would, and maybe because I just watched it. Um, it's still a good movie, still a funny movie. I think it's maybe one that I need to uh, let sit for a while before I watch it. I don't think it's one that I'll be able to watch over and over and over again. Maybe like a once a year kind of thing. Um, what did your dad not like about it? I, I think it just maybe wasn't maybe as like funny as I had like, or like I had- What? <laughs> that's I, I ridiculous do you, want me to, do you want me to ask him if people want to move on I could go ask him and then come back and get his direct feedback no. he doesn't have to come on here but I can ask him exactly what he didn't like uh, well no I don't think so okay <laughs> uh, yeah so I, I, I think I maybe just might have overhyped it as like this like it was like this great like kind of funny movie I think there was a certain quality to like watching it for the first time, not really knowing a whole lot about it. That just made it like really enjoyable. It's definitely one I'm going to revisit, but I think I got to wait a little bit and not overhype it for myself either. Um, I, I must say though that the tagline on the poster is great. I think it's uh, Jack Burton is in for some big trouble and you're in for some big fun. That's perfect. That's a perfect tagline for for a move for that movie. Um, I also watched uh, Spider-Man Four: Vulture versus Spider-Man Storyboard Animatic. So like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man Four that almost was pretty interesting. It's a animatic of the final, uh, final like battle between. It, it was going to be John Malkovich as the Vulture and the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, but it's a, you know, I guess in the way Sam Raimi usually does in, in he did in those Spider-Man movies, but it's pretty brutal. There's even like a, at one point, Spider-Man gets like stabbed with a blade that goes like all the way through his like chest, which is, I feel like Sam Raimi's the only person who could really pull that off and be like, yeah, this is how I'm doing it. And yeah, it's probably, <laughs> I can't imagine it would be horribly bloody, but also that feels like a pretty, <laughs> like, horrible wound, but I don't know. It would have been cool to see. It was it was interesting to watch. Um, it would have been cool to see a Sam Raimi Spider-Man 4, though. Um, Loki episodes 1 to 3. Uh, it's pretty cool. Cool, 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 cool. Um, there's an interesting thing in the... I don't know if this is really, I don't, I wouldn't say this is a spoiler really, but there's kind of uh, revealed, it's kind of revealed that Loki is uh, possibly bisexual, which I didn't really, I never really thought of like, like Loki in that, 
uh, I don't know how, how I don't know how to word this, but I never really thought Loki would be bisexual. I guess, but now that I appear, I'm like, you know what? That is kind of it feels is kind of fitting for his for his character. I think Tom Hiddleston even did an interview talking about because it was a comic book that came out years ago, and it was and Loki was bisexual in the comic. Um, and he said, well, you know, Loki's a shapeshifter and all that. And he just kind of talked about, and I think there's even a line in the show where it says one of the characters who he's talking to about it, they say love is mischief. I think, I, I don't know, I think it, uh, I think it kind of works for his character. Um, I watched Lost, uh, Secondhand Lions. It's a fun movie, a fun little, uh, I don't know, kind of adventure movie it's pretty good i'd recommend it it's got Haley joe osmond and michael kane and uh i'm forgetting the other guy who's the who's the guy in the godfather mr anderson okay uh, one of the oh robert duvall robert and it's got robert duvall in it it's a good movie it's about a kid who stays with his with his two uncles for uh for a summer um it's it's a fun movie. Uh, what else did I watch? Community, um, which is a pretty good show. And I remember on the first podcast I did, there was an argument. First podcast in grade nine, there was an argument whether Mr. Anderson, do you do you watch either Brooklyn Nine Nine or Community? Both. Okay, you know the cool 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 line. That yeah, it's Community. And yeah, so I remember there was an argument over, I can't remember who was in the argument, but there was an argument about who did it first. Was, what, did Cool start in Brooklyn Nine-Nine or in Community? And I feel, I don't know if we ever got to this point, because I can't remember, but it feels like the kind of thing where it's just like, well, which one came out first? Because whichever one came out first, whichever episode or whatever had it in first, that's, that's the one that did it. I don't know. Yeah, and it's community. It's yeah. So sure. did they? They both came out at a similar time, though, right? Was Brooklyn Nine Nine two thousand nine or was it two thousand ten? I think it was later. Okay. Anyways, that's a good show. Uh, I watched a couple of uh, little Lego stop motions. One of them was called The Cleaners, which is about two guys who. It's, it's, it's a very well shot stop motion with nice cinematography and music and everything, but it's about two guys who, uh, the story's kind of vague. It's about two guys who show up at a hotel room of another guy and they, and they kill him and then they like clean up all the evidence, but it's a, it's, it's, it's an interesting story and I also watched a strange, like, stop-motion infomercial with, like, these giant, like, Lego people. Strange, and then it, like, this, like, this, and there was, so there was two of them, and the second one goes into, like, a, like, a more darker territory, and you're like, what's going on with this? Like, there's, like, weird stuff going on under the surface. Anyways. Uh, Big Top Burger, that's a, a animated... Uh, short show, I guess, on YouTube. It's weird, kind of, kind of absurd humor, but I really like it, and the animation is cool, and I'd recommend it. Big Top Burger. 
um, and Rushmore. And that's it. That's my list for grade 12. Okay. Final uh, movie watched in the office. Sydney, what did you watch? Um, so I've been binging a lot of TV shows right now. I started The Owl House, which is on Disney+, Plus, and I liked it. It was really cute. Um, it reminded me a lot of Gravity Falls, which a lot of creators who worked on Gravity Falls are involved in the project, so that makes sense. So I also rewatched Gravity Falls, which is still really, really good. I love that sort of stuff. Um, I also watched Loki. I really liked it. Um, but like, I really liked it the same way I did like with WandaVision, where I'm liking the world building, the way the characters are progressing and kind of growing in a way that they didn't necessarily in the movies in the MCU. So I'm really enjoying that aspect to these like Disney Plus shows. Um, I watched Moonrise Kingdom and Rushmore the other day. And How did you like Moonrise Kingdom? I really liked Moonrise Kingdom, actually. It's very cute. I loved it so much. I think it gets better. I think a lot of Wes Anderson movies get better on a rewatch because they're my first time through. Everything just feels really uncomfortable, and I, I'm not necessarily sure what I should laugh at because I just feel really kind of nervous about a lot of what's going on. And then when I've I've watched it through, I I know that I can feel okay about things, and so a rewatch I feel a little more relaxed. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's like I feel like a lot of his movies have like a very good rewatch quality about them. That like I don't feel bored rewatching any of his movies. Like Fantastic Mr. Fox, which he directed, is one of my favorite movies, and I rewatch it all the time. But uh, yeah, that's basically what I've watched lately. What was the stuff? What was that cartoon that you mentioned on Disney? Uh, the Owl House. I'm only about halfway through season one, but it's really good and it's really cute. Okay. It's kind of like, it reminds me a lot of Gravity Falls. Okay. I love Gravity Falls, so I'm excited. I would definitely recommend Owl, The Owl House then. I gotta check that out too. Sounds interesting. It looks adorable. It's super cute. I love it so much. Okay, cool. Thank you. Uh, who's next? Cameron? I think so. Um, I haven't watched much. I rewatched Swiss Army Man with my brother. Um, and it's so good. And I think it'll get better, like, every time that I rewatch it. Um, he didn't like it that much. He says he didn't like it, but I think he did. He just didn't like I think he thinks that it's like he's too cool to think that it was funny. But yeah, I really liked it. Um and then I watched half of Spider Man Far From Home. I didn't watch the other half because I got bored. You didn't um, like it? But that's no, I, I like it. It's just, I don't know. I, that was my second time getting halfway through, but I don't know why I can't finish it. I think I started that at weird times, but I'll Where did you... like, I really like Tom Holland's Spider-Man movies, but yeah. What, what did you think? about Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio? 
I don't know. Okay. I think I don't really like Jake Gyllenhaal, but I don't know why. I see, like, I think it's because, like, I only see him, like, in memes and stuff like that. And then to see him, like, actually being, like, serious, it's like, mm. <laughs> I don't know if I can take it too seriously, but mm. I don't know. I'm not a huge Marvel person, but I, I will be eventually, I think. Have, so. have you seen uh, Nightcrawler? Mm-mm. He's uh, he puts in a really good performance there. I I would yeah. highly recommend it. Yeah, I've heard I've heard it was good. It's uncomfortable and and kind of creepy, but his performance is is outstanding. Okay, uh, and Bev. Um, I watched House of a Thousand Corpses, which was okay. <laughs> Yeah, like, like, I liked the beginning, but then, like, the further it progressed, the more I wanted to just, like, turn it off. Because it know. was gross? Like, it's not even the gore. Well, no, like, I'm usually okay with gore. I think I just, like, it just stopped making sense to me, I think. I was, I was really, I don't know if looking forward, I was intrigued when that movie came out, that Rob Zombie was going to make a movie, was kind of novel. Mm-hmm. And I know that he is a big horror fan and he really likes the horror classics. So I was really interested to see where he would go with that. And it doesn't seem to have any sort of classic feel. And it just made me feel dirty. Yeah. <laughs> like dingy it's and... It's not a movie I'm going to watch. Pardon me? I said it's not a movie I'm going to watch again. Yeah, um, and I, I think that this is a recurring thing with Rob Zombie's movies is that every character is just so gross that there's nobody that I root for. Yeah. Okay, uh, what else? Um, I also watched Devilman Crybaby, which is like a short anime series. It was really weird. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I don't think I'd watch a second season if it came out. And then I also watched Bill Burnham Inside. Um, but I, I think I watched it over like three days where I'd watch like 30 minutes of it and then I fell asleep. So then the next day I watched the next 30 minutes and then I fell asleep again and then I finished it. Overall, like I wasn't not entertaining. I think I was just really, really sleepy. And I'm used to watching like shorter things like shows. So, yeah. Okay. And um, then lastly, I started the fifth season of Seven Deadly Sins because that recently came out. And I'm enjoying it, so. Okay. Cool. Uh, so I guess we're going to move on to Rushmore, unless anybody has something they'd like to add. New? Okay. Uh, so... Uh, Rushmore, directed by Wes Anderson, uh, according to the Internet Movie Database, the extracurricular king of Rushmore Preparatory School is put on academic probation. Not much of a summary, um, but I don't know how you'd really sum up this movie. Um, it uh, stars Jason Schwarzman and Bill Murray and Olivia Williams. 
uh, Brian Cox and uh, and some other people. What did you guys think of Wes Anderson's Rushmore? Okay, I used to consider myself like a pretty big Wes Anderson person, but I didn't really like this one. Um, usually when we like talk about Wes Anderson, we like talk about like the dollhouse sort of scenario, and this didn't feel so much dollhouse. It felt more like um, student projecty. Which I'm not really sure if that's what he wanted to go with, considering like kind of like the ending of the movie. But I don't know; it just felt more like awkward and not so like it's cinematically supposed to be awkward. It just felt awkward, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Thomas. I think the whole kind of going off what Cameron was saying. I think the whole movie is kind of set up like one of Max Max's plays you know yeah. like the, every month is like a, it's literally like uh, you know it's curtains uh, and like, you know like it's like an, there's like an introduction to each new month throughout the, throughout the year and yeah. But it, it does feel, even just like seeing stuff like, like, because Wes Anderson has such a distinct style now. So just like seeing something like, like a regular classroom with regular people in regular like clothes is like kind of like, it's strange. Yeah. But did you enjoy it? Not enjoy it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. This is my second viewing of it. Um, I think I watched the first time maybe last year sometime. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I didn't I didn't love it. I don't love it like I love some of Wes Anderson's other movies. But it it wasn't it wasn't terrible. Yeah, that's a banker. It's pretty good. Beverly. Um, I liked it. It's definitely not one of my favorite movies, and it's probably not something I'll revisit. Like, it wasn't impressive, but it, it was okay. Okay. Sydney? I thought it was just fine, to be honest. I, I liked it, but I don't know. I, to be honest, I, I have never seen Rushmore before, and I kind of expected a lot more from it. But I liked it. It was, I had a good time watching it. I just maybe I set my expectations a little high going in. Maybe set myself up to be disappointed a bit. I consider this movie to be the bridge between, like, there's Bottle Rocket, which was Wes Anderson's first movie, which I started, and I feel kind of bad saying this, but like I was just like I I just stopped watching it because I wasn't interested. So I would like to give it another shot, but. That is like you can kind of see like the the parts of uh, you know the whole Anderson esqueness. I don't know to it, and then Rushmore is like there's more of it, 
And then I think the Royal Tenenbaums is really when he hit his stride for the Wes Anderson style. And then he just kept going with it. For me, uh, I like this part of Wes Anderson's career. I like seeing him cultivate a style. And it's sort of like listening to maybe the first few albums that uh, a music artist might produce where they're finding their their sound. And then they hit a point where they, they just sort of stay with that sound for the rest of their career and they stop evolving. And I feel like that's where Wes Anderson is now. Um, that maybe by the time he hit Life Aquatic, he had developed this style and then he doesn't really deviate from it and he stops experimenting. And so this is probably my favorite part of his filmography. Um, this and my favorite movie is The Royal Tenenbaums because I feel like it's it's not so dollhousey as Cameron mentioned. It's not so controlled that he allows the story and the characters to breathe a little bit. But then definitely by the time we get to Grand Budapest, everything is so controlled um, that it, it's like watching somebody play with dolls. And I feel like it impedes the emotional attachment I have to his movies that I feel like I'm just watching um, paintings move by. And so I, I, I like this one. It's, it's not my favorite. I'm not even sure if it would be my second favorite, but I, I think I would prefer to go back and watch Rushmore again than to go back and watch Grand Budapest Hotel again. Um, I think it's really funny. I, I think it's... I, I like the narrative that it seems to go, and maybe it's because it's almost broken up into maybe more than a vignette, but these little mini-stories um, of every month, and the story moves in directions that I find uh, surprising as a narrative. It doesn't seem to flow. It seems more more natural, maybe, than, than your regular story arc for a movie. Um, and I think Bill Murray is outstanding in it. The way he smokes cigarettes in a very particular way, where it's just kind of like hangs, like it's almost like falling out of his mouth, at like right up like the corner of his mouth. Yeah, and he makes some really interesting choices in his performance. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. It's it's. I like it. I, I, I like seeing the development of, of Wes Anderson here, and even Bill Murray, because I think this was towards the beginning of the Bill Murray resurgence, and he's having a lot of fun with it. Um, and I like Brian Cox and pretty much everything. I think Olivia Williams is really, uh, her performance is really sweet as well. Is Bill Murray really, like, I know, I think he just says immediately yes to Anderson. Does he really do any other movies anymore? Like, I know, I think he's going to be in the new Ghostbusters movie. Um, and I think, you know, he did that The Dead Don't Die movie a couple of years ago. Um, but, like, does he, how, what, how much stuff does he really do anymore? 
he pokes his head out um, every now and then for things like The Dead Don't Die, but he's also in uh, pretty much any Sofia Coppola movies that she asks him to to perform in. So he'll pop yeah, in for her uh, stuff. In that Rashida Jones movie, right? Yep. Apple TV one. I think that's maybe a Sofia Coppola. So, like, he, he did, like, her, her Christmas special and... Uh, yeah, I think that Apple one is maybe the thing that I saw most recently. I, I haven't watched it, but I saw that it was there. So he he pops out. I think he just does whatever he, want, whatever he wants to do. I guess he's, it's kind of like Walking Phoenix in a way, where like he doesn't really do a whole lot of movies, but you know, every little while he'll he'll do something and he'll and he'll put in a a great performance. Well, I think when you get to that point in the career i think he probably likes a little bit of the comfort and he'll only work on things that he thinks is going to be of interest to him yeah and so it's like do i want to spend like four months with this director maybe not so i'm not going to do it yeah uh any particular parts of the the film that you would like to chat about I really loved the, like the ending, like his final play. I thought like when like they turned back and like the whole audience is like putting on like the protective goggles mm-hmm. stuff. I thought that was really funny. That was like really the only time I like thought it was funny. I don't know. Again, like there's that Wes Anderson awkwardness sort of funniness, but I don't really think it's funny. But like the visual gags sometimes like get me and stuff like that but yeah well, that part of play was really good he i think he respects his audience a fair bit where he doesn't really give you the the typical notes of oh hey that was funny he just shows yeah. you things and, and has events happen and so i'm not really sure if it takes time to process and we don't have that but for me it's just i i feel unsure of where the the narrative is going to go and so like on a first time watch when um, Max is uh, attempting to have a romantic relationship with Rosemary, it's just really uncomfortable and I, 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 I don't know what's funny because I don't know how it plays out. And then watching that it, it's relatively innocent and things work out in the end, going back and rewatching it, you can find the humor in that relationship. Because there's... Sorry. No, I was just going to say that there's a there's a a le- there's a weight to what's happening for these characters that their their lives can be changed by what's going on, and it's not light and fluffy. And so we've got this story where where Max is flunking out of school, and that's unfortunate, and could have large repercussions. And then he feels like he has a an emotional connection to this teacher, which is inappropriate. And, and that could turn out badly for him and maybe even more so for her. And then there's um, Bill Murray's Mr. Bloom and how he's in a, a marriage that's apparently not going well. Um, and there's repercussions for, for him. And so there's, there's a lot of weight that could impact these characters and the situations that they're in. But by the time you get to the end of the movie, you realize that things turn out fine for everybody. And so 
going back and finding humor in it, I think is is easier on a, a rewatch. But I feel like um, Moonrise Kingdom is like that too. It's just it's weird. I don't know what's funny until I kind of see it play out. You were going to say, Thomas? Oh, I'm wondering. I can't remember exactly what I was going to say, but yeah, the, there are a lot of scenes in this, even on rewatch, where, like that, that dinner scene when with, with Luke Wilson is <laughs> so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't believe it. Like, it's like he, he's so cocky. Max, I'm sure. He's so. He's, he's pretty full of himself at, at times. I, I, I really like the, uh, the, uh, the, oh, are they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> These are my OR scripts. Oh, are they? And he even laughs at his own joke, but it's like this little, like, <laughs> like, snooty little, <laughs> Yeah. I, that's the thing. I found myself, like, kind of relating to Max in, like, the overly ambitious sort of, like, aspect of things. But then again, like, it's hard to relate to a Wes Anderson character because it's so non-human, and I think that's why, like, yeah, like, after Royal Tenenbaums, like, it's like they're no longer people kind of thing, whereas in Rushmore I found myself able to, like, see personality more, so I guess that's why... I think I'm having, like, troubles kind of, like, saying, like, yeah, I kind of relate to that character in a way, but I don't know. They do become cartoonish, and and they're even cartoonish here. Like, Max yeah. isn't a real person. He, he has traits of a real person that are dialed up to maybe 11. Um, it's, uh, I think it's a neat coming-of-age story. For a lot of the characters that are are in it, because I think that um, Bill Murray's character has growth, and there there's an arc there for him, and then obviously for Max, um, and then there's one even for um, Rosemary, and I think it's neat that it can tie those stories together, and everybody has a kind of arc and growth, and everybody comes to terms with something. Um, I think that that was kind of clever, and I I think it works really well as a a coming-of-age story for, for Max in particular, that he, he seems to acknowledge his his role and place, I think. Favorite scenes? Least favorite scenes? I'll mention mine. Uh, one of them is, is really tiny, but it's a little Bill Murray-ism that I, I found really funny. And it's almost nothing, but when he goes to Rosemary's house and uh, she's having a snack and she comes out with the plate of carrots and there's this awkward sort of pause and she's like, uh, would you like a carrot? And then like he just kind of stands there for like maybe 15 seconds, maybe five seconds too long. And he's like, yeah, I'll take one of those. And he, he moves forward. And it's just, it's one of those things where Bill Murray, I think he has these comedic beats that are just weird. 
and they work really well in Wes Anderson. And it's 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 a pacing thing. It's not a funny line. Um, sometimes it's a it's a funny look, but I think for the most part, it's it's a pacing. And Wes Anderson, I think, is really good with that, where he'll let things kind of linger for a little bit, and then you get a little bit of a, a payoff. Um, oh, and I really like the the scene where Bill Murray hops the fence and, and falls on his side. And it, I don't I don't know why Bill Murray would feel like he needs to do that for a movie because it's obviously him. He, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's an older guy. Uh, and I think it's really neat that for this little art house movie, because Wes Anderson wasn't really a name when this was done, and then he gets Bill Murray to be in his movie, and then he gets Bill Murray to fall off a fence. is pretty cool. Um, but my favorite, I think, sequence was uh, the scene where Murray's in the, or, or Bloom is in the hotel, and he's having his breakfast, and then the, the bees start to come in. And, uh, and he starts swatting them away, and then you see Max leaving from the basement elevator, and it's that slow-motion heist kind of shot. I thought that was that was pretty awesome. Yeah, and Bill Murray's, Bill Murray's making all those weird noises. Yeah. <laughs> Murray noises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he, he does he does have a fair bit of good physical comedy in this. Like even just like like when he runs off. <laughs> yeah. Or he swats the basketball out of the uh, the kid's hand. Yeah, yeah, that was funny. Uh, yeah, I, I I think that he's probably um, the MVP for the movie. Jason Schwartzman was like. 18 on this he was just baby sportsman yep just just a young I, yeah just a young guy Thomas is there a scene you like uh I think I I, I like the plays and all of that cause they're like they're so like wildly inappropriate for like a school setting yep like there's no way there would be a Frank Serpico is it, is it Serpico or yeah it's Serpico it's Serpico right yeah. yeah, there's no way there would be a Frank Serpico play in high school. Well, may- I mean, well, maybe there would be. I don't know, but, like, just, like, everything in it. But it also feels like the kinds of things that, like, I would <laughs> I would want to be involved in. I, I also, do see... Like, on a budget, I would, like, do stuff like that. I was reminded of you. Uh, I saw a little bit of Thomas in Max Fisher. When... In like what aspect? The just being involved in in so much and possibly spreading yourself a little thin because of that, and just being this little ball of enthusiasm. Uh, I'll take that as a compliment. I, yeah, I don't mean it derogatorily yeah, at all. Yeah, no, no, I, no, I, I know. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely some involvement in everything. The uh, the gangster play that he's doing when he gets into high into regular school was that another film that he was spoofing? I didn't recognize it. The Serpico one? No, the one that he does when he gets to the high school, the one where they're they're in the car, and it looks oh, like they're yeah, I don't know. okay. I don't know. But also, I I you know I guess that it's you know part of the scene, but the. The the N word surprised me. Yes. Um, um, 
But yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. I don't know if that was supposed to be. I don't know if that was supposed to be uh, uh, parroting something or paying homage to something. I would think probably yeah. more a parody. Yeah. Like those uh, those plays though, they remind me of like things like I would do with like my friends. Like if I if I had a budget, I I like uh, summers ago I made like this Vietnam movie with with a friend, like in his backyard, and we had like all like the helmets and everything. But if that's like if we had a budget, it kind of reminds me of like that's like something like we would maybe do. Cameron, do you have a favorite? Um, I would probably say that, like, final play scene, I thought that was, like, really fun. Um, or, like, the Bill Murray B scene, I thought that was, I think, I think it was just an overall fun movie, but I think I, I went into there with, like, high expectations because it was Wes Anderson, so there's really nothing that I, like, didn't like, I guess, but... Yeah, those are my favorites, I guess. Beverly? Yeah, I think yeah, it was just a lot of scenes that I liked here and there. Bill Murray was really good in it and mm-hmm. all that. Beverly, do you have a favorite? Um, Nothing, like, really sticks out to me, but I liked when they were, like, in the hospital elevator and Bill Murray just starts, like, shoving stuff under the folded thingies that are there. Okay. I forgot that scene. Okay. Uh, Sydney? I think rather than having, like, a favorite scene, I have a bunch of, like, favorite little moments. Okay. Like, I like happy endings in movies, so I really like the ending where it kind of just, it was, like, a nice ending. Um, I like the stuff with the little, like, airplanes, and um, when the kid came into the barber shop and gave him the little gift, I thought that was really cute. Oh, I, like I, like I, I forgot about the, um, the letter that that kid writes in crayon to Max. That's pretty funny. Um, okay. Uh, letter grades for Rushmore. I think I'm somewhere around in, I don't know, between an A minus and an A, but, uh, it's our last podcast, so we'll give it an A. I think it's fun. Thomas? I think I'd maybe give it... I think I'd maybe give it an A-. minus. Not the worst film Wes Anderson's done. I still gotta give Bottle Rocket another chance, but that is probably... Based on what I've seen, that's maybe one of his weaker ones. Um, but uh, I enjoyed it. I, I it was it was a pretty good movie. There's a lot of good moments in it. Cameron, I'm gonna say a minus. Okay. Sydney. I'm giving it a B plus. I liked it, but I think I have to watch it again. 
I think it will probably get better on a rewatch. And so it's plus. Uh, and Beverly? Um, I'm giving it a solid B. Okay. All right. Uh, so. Talk about characters or anything. Is there any characters that? Like, there's a lot of like very specific characters throughout the film. And. I don't know, I just, I don't know, is there anybody, is there anything that anybody has to say about the characters, you know, Luke Wilson? I also find it, I find it interesting, like, Owen Wilson, who's, like, in Loki and a bunch of big stuff now, he got to start with, like, Wes Anderson, which is, I find interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, um, they, they co-wrote everything together for, for a while. Yeah. There's actually a, there's a... I think there's two versions of Bottle Rocket. There's one that they made in like school together, and then there's the motion picture one. I think yeah, like in this movie though, like Dirk Calloway and 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 the bully and everything. What was the bully's name? The Scottish guy. Yeah. Uh. Was it Magnus? I think so, yeah. I liked him quite a bit. Yeah. And I, 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 I even like how that relationship resolved. There's a there's a sweetness to Wes Anderson. Um, yeah. Where, like, it, it looks like they're bitter rivals, but as soon as he says, you can be in one of my plays, he's like, I've always wanted to be in one of your plays. Yeah, I, I liked that, too. It felt almost like something that maybe could happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... Dirk Calloway, his little friend. Yeah. Um, he, was, he, was, he was pretty good. Oh, I, I liked when he when he discovered that Bloom and Miss Cross were were dating. And it's almost like this like there's like thunder and like rumbling and everything. And he's when he's on his when he's on his bike. Yeah. It's almost kinda like the scene of Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet when, uh, what's his name? What's what's the guy who dies? Mercutio. Mercutio. Is it, is it, yeah, when he dies, and like I think you said, like it's kind of like a it's very apt for that scene that there's like you know when he dies, there's all these thunder and it starts like storming and everything. Yeah, pathetic fallacy. Okay. Anyway. So the ranking of our movies. Um, does anybody need time to uh, to peruse that and uh, get it in uh, in order, or is everybody good? I'm good. Okay. Um, how do you guys want to do it? Do you want to uh, like everybody give their like? Should we do top ten? Or should we just do top five? Yeah. We could do top ten. Top ten? Okay. I was just thinking that might take a while. Yeah. Top five? Let's do top five. But like we should not spend too much time talking about it. <laughs> okay. Um I would say that maybe we can do like a round table. 
Um, so if we go alphabetically, um, I could go first, and then, so I, I'll do my number five, and then Thomas will do his number five, and then Sydney will do hers, and then Cameron, and then Bev, and then we'll do our number fours, and we'll go around. Uh, so when I was making this list, I had a, a kind of hard time after I got past my first, maybe four, I, I could really easily place my first four, but then when I got to the top ones, like my top three, I think could almost be in any order. But uh, the, the first, like the lower ones were pretty simple. Um, so do you want to do your least favorite? And then we'll do top five. Are you able to like send me my response? Cause like I, I sent it in, but it just like went to you. I didn't get like- a You can't get back into it? No. Okay, let me see if I can change that setting. Yeah. Alright. So right. the movies that we watched this year, just to scroll through all of them, uh, in no particular order, Swiss Army Man, Big Trouble in Little China, Queen and Slim, Clue, No Country for Old Men, Rubber, Jojo Rabbit, Francis Ha, Midsummer, Better Watch Out, and Rushmore. So my number five out of those, my number five is Midsummer. I think that it's a, a very effective, uh, I'm not even sure I would call it a horror movie, but it's a very disturbing and affecting movie. And I think that it's uh, oddly beautifully shot and oddly constructed. And I think it's a, an interesting metaphor for dealing with grief. Thomas, what's your number five? My number five is Jojo Rabbit. Um, not my favorite Taika Waititi movie. I think I've only seen like two of them while I was pre-punting this one. But I think I liked his smaller, his smaller movies. Um, I think I like his smaller movies a little bit better. But this one is pretty good. It's still got that uh, Taika Waititi charm in it. Sydney. My number five is actually also Midsummer. Um, like you said, it's a really, really good movie. And it's um, always enjoyable to have your friends watch it without telling them what it's about. <laughs> I think that it's a movie that will surprise many people if they're not sure what they're getting into. Maybe not a movie to watch with your parents, like you and Uh, Cameron, number five. My number five is also Midsummer. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, for the reasons that you guys said, um, beautiful, and it's shocking, um, and it has an interesting theme that you don't see too much of um nowadays um and i love Florence p in it so midsummer is number five her performance is really good mm-hmm. and beverly uh my number five is georgia rabbit i like it was like funny but it was also maybe slightly controversial with the whole like holocaust hitler thing but um, Overall, it's really enjoyable, 
It is a fresh take on Hitler, and I'm, I'm a little surprised. Well, just just to put Hitler in, in a kind of comedic spot, I, I think that Hitler and the Holocaust, like those are topics that need to be addressed in usually a very specific and somber way. And yeah, I, I think that doing that was uh, was a little risky, but it paid off and he handled it well. Um, it's kind of neat that we had repeated fives. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, my number four of what we watched this year is Frances Ha. Uh, Greta Gerwig is, uh, I don't want to say a revelation because I don't think that that's really the performance that she turns out, but she is, maybe I'll say a breath of fresh air. She's, she's very natural. Um, very likable, very realistic, and I, I really appreciate those movies where I, I feel like a fly in the wall, like I, I got to hang out with these characters and spend time with them and feel like I know them to a degree, and when the movie's over, I feel like I, I should send them a text and be like, hey, we should hang out, and it, uh, it works really well like that. Uh, think looks pretty nice the black and white uh i think fits the the very simple narrative uh it's funny it's sweet thomas you're number four my number four is rushmore um yeah a pretty good movie funny um like i said not my favorite of his but pretty funny and pretty uncomfortable at times uh, but overall a, a good movie Sydney my number four is Jojo Rabbit uh, I watched this before joining Oddity and my friend recommended it to me and I really really liked it um, we've said a lot about it but it is really really good I loved everything about it I like the way I like the way they comp find the humor and sometimes the more serious and heavy tones of the film. I thought they did a pretty good balance on that. And I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed the characters, too. Cameron? Um, for my number four, I put Big Trouble in Little China, but I kind of am regretting that. I think I'm going to switch Francis Hall, which is my number six for Big Trouble, because I think now that I'm thinking about it more, I would much rather go back and watch rewatch Francis Ha than I would Big Trouble, like on my own rather than like with friends kind of thing. If that makes sense. Um, yeah, Greta Gerwig is one of my favorite people on the entire planet, and I think that this movie was just really, really nice and. I should rewatch it. But yeah, I'm going to switch that with Big Trouble in Little China. So yeah, my number four is Francis Ha, but kind of as a backup, Big Trouble. <laughs> okay. And Bev. Uh, my number four, oops. My number four is Swiss Army Man. I liked that it was, like, kind of absurdly funny maybe a little immature but that's kind of my humor like i liked all the fart jokes and stuff <laughs> so 
Okay, uh, my number three is Clue. I was that surprising. Mine's Clue. Too. Oh. <laughs> uh, so I feel a little torn because there are there are more weighty movies that we watched this year, um, like Queen and Slim. I, I felt a little bad that Queen and Slim wasn't higher on my list. But I was kind of going with enjoyment for a lot of it. Um, and I think that Clue, for a for the type of movie that it is, it, it's, it's a whodunit, it's a little bit of a, a thriller, and it's just funny. And it makes, like, I just smile, I think, throughout most of it. It, it's got layers of jokes through it. It's got slapstick. It's got some really clever wordplay. The cast is, I think, outstanding. And it's, it's a movie that I think could go on almost any time. And I would sit down and I'd watch a couple scenes and I would speak along with it. And I, I'm not sure that it had, for the type of movie that it is, I don't think there's a single flaw in it. It's just... Joy. Thomas. My number three is Rubber. Oh, wow. Yikes. I got both a look of disdain and a yikes from from, from Cameron. The, the double whammy. Yeah. Um... Yeah, no, I don't know. I just, it's weird and kind of slightly unexplained, and I don't know. It just it appeals to me. And I still, I still don't know how they made that tire move. I, 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 I figured for like some of it, I know when it's like just partially on screen, but there's a lot of it where I'm just stumped. And I also really like that beginning monologue as I. As I've talked about before. Yeah. Sydney, number three. My number three is Big Trouble in Little China. I love Kurt Russell. It made me rewatch the thing. I had so much fun. Good time all around. And I just like fun movies. I like, like, I do like deeper movies. Like, I like things that make you think. But sometimes you just want to sit down and, like, have a good laugh and enjoy yourself in that way, you know? Big yeah. Trouble did that for me. I, I enjoyed everything about it. I do know. And I, I'm also a huge fan of the thing. Cameron. Number three, yeah. you already let it out of the bag. Yeah, it's Clue. Okay. Uh, I can't wait to rewatch this. Um, I think the thing that stands out to me most is the acting. I couldn't think of, like a better cast for each character um and i think it's just so clever to have a movie like based off of a board game so yeah close my number three okay beverly uh my number three is also big trouble in little china and kind of the same reason Sydney, where you just sit down and enjoy yourself, enjoy the movie, and it's just fun. Okay, my number two. I'm starting to get nervous. 
My number two is Big Trouble in Little China. For some of the same reasons as Clue, it's it's fun. It, I feel a sense of of joy watching it. Kurt Russell is outstanding. It's this quirky little oddity, and uh, I I could. It's a movie that I could throw on. I think any time, and and it doesn't wear itself to uh, to threadbare. So my number two, Big Trouble in Little China. Thomas? Mr. Anderson, I gotta tell you something. We got a, we got a theme going on with, with doubles. Yeah? My number is also Big Trouble in Little China. Okay. Even yeah. given that uh, you watched it and it dropped down a little bit in your appreciation? Yeah, I, I still think I still think if if I give it some time and and don't overhype it for myself, despite the fact that I've already seen it, I think I think I just got to take a break from it for a little while. But I think I'm still gonna enjoy it when I come back to it. But yeah, so I would agree with a lot of the stuff that everybody else has said. It's fun, you know, like what I said about the the tagline: Jack Burton's in for some big trouble, and you're in for some big fun. Uh, it's just it's perfect for a movie like that and yeah Kurt Russell Kurt Russell is, is, is yeah like Sydney said Kurt Russell's great in that movie I love how just out of his element he is how little he does how little he is like involved in the plot like at least when it comes to like fighting and all that he hardly does any of it just funny and just like his confusion of he's got very good delivery of just like slight like when that uh when that creature comes out of the the cavern wall or whatever he's like huh what what don't come out no more and he's like so and he's just like confused and scared and he doesn't know what's going on and everybody else has like a much better understanding of everything than he does i just think he he plays it well and the music's pretty good in it too well, Cameron mentioned going back and rewatching The Thing, and it's it's so weird that the star and the director and the writer are the same between those two movies. <laughs> it's pretty incredible that they can have that kind of range. Yeah. Uh, so, Sydney, your number two. My number two was Queen and Slim. I can't remember the last time I was that invested in a movie and what would happen to the characters. Like, they did a really good job of making you care about these people and you wanted to maybe see them succeed and you wanted them to be okay. And um, the ending was really sad. I um, had a nice little cry and it it was a good good cry. It felt good. (laughs) But um, I was really invested in the characters and a movie hadn't done that for me in a long time. So this movie was really good for me for that. Um, I struggled finding my number two. I didn't, I still am a little, like, unsure, but I put Jojo Rabbit as my number two, and I think that's because that's, like, besides Midsummer, that's, like, the only sort of newer movie that we watched, I believe. Um, and... I don't know. I thought it was really adorable, and I felt really sad, um, like with the shoes, like tying scene and stuff like that. Um, 
but yeah, it was super funny, super cute. I still don't really know if I am happy with it at number two, but that's where I have it, so. Okay. Beverly, number two. My number two is No Country Old Man. I like it a lot. Um, I'll probably like the third time. So, yeah. Okay. So, our number one movies for the 2020-2021 year. Uh, my number one is uh, Beverly's number two. It is No Country for Old Men. I think that it is a perfect film. It does some really interesting choices. Um, the Coen brothers seem to be so confident in it. Uh, the, the use of ambient noise, the patient storytelling, the multiple uh, narratives that are being juggled at the same time. It's incredibly tense. I think the casting is really strong. Um, and it's not a movie that slows down or tries to pander to you in any way. It, uh, it challenges you to keep up with it and to navigate its story beats and also its, its thematic elements as well. Uh, it's a beautiful movie. And, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty, pretty fantastic. And, uh, it's usually that movie, it's, maybe this is cheating, but it's usually when somebody asks me what my, uh, my favorite movie is, No Country for Men, is, is usually, uh, one that's up there. Thomas, number one movie. My number one movie is Francis Ha. Wow. It's just a, it's a fun movie. It's, you know, like you said, there's not really much going on in it. It's just kind of a slice of life hanging out with people. And it just, like, when watching it, it just feels like the kind of thing where it's like, this must have been, like, a great movie to, like, be involved in, to, like, be able to, like, act in this movie. It just feels like it would have been fun. And, yeah, okay. I, I, it's, it's funny and awkward and it feels you know realistic and it's it's like unpolished and it's not perfect you know yeah okay I really like that Sydney number one my number one is Clue. I rewatched it more than anything else on this list, and I just love it so much. I was obsessed with the board game as a kid. I'm obsessed with the movie. It is perfect. It's one of my favorite movies ever, too. I just, I love this movie so much. It's so funny, everything, but it's perfect. The endings, like the fact that they had multiple different endings that they showed, like, not all together in theaters is awesome to me. Like, I just love this movie. Cameron, number one. Um, mine should come as no surprise. Um, Swiss Army Man is number one on my list. Um, oh, it's just the score, the casting, the concept is just everything about it just makes me really happy. And I think that 
even though it is like a stupider movie, I think that just that's just fun. And I think since like I see things without such a pretentious lens, like now, like if I had watched this a year ago, I would have been like, ugh, no. But now I'm like, oh, this is just so enjoyable, and it's one of my. If somebody asks me what my favorite movie is, I it, it, it's it's an option. So. What is it between Swiss Army Men or what are the other ones? Mm -hmm. Little Women Titanic. Pride <laughs> <laughs> Those all feel like they're kind of like similar and then it's like Swiss Army Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, it's not, not a bad thing. But... Yeah. Beverly, what's your number one? My number one is Midsummer. Um, I really, really like the scene in the chicken coop still, like probably my favorite scene in any movie ever. And I like that it's like really disturbing but also really pretty. So it's just one that I like to watch. Okay. So those are our top movies of uh of the year. So, uh, we're coming to a close, and uh, I think we mentioned this at the beginning, that it's a little bittersweet uh, that we're, we're coming to the end. Uh, some of us, I hope, will find our way back to the film club next year, if, uh, if we choose to join. Uh, Sydney and Thomas are going on to post-secondary exploits, and uh, I'm sure they will do fantastic and amazing things. Um, but if you guys are ever, uh, interested, you can always stop in and join, uh, the podcast if you'd like. And if you want to know what we're watching, I can let you know that stuff too. Um, given our, uh, uh, exposure to, uh, things like Microsoft Teams, we could probably work you guys in remotely as well if you'd like to join us. So, uh, I don't want to dote on anything too sad. Yes, Thomas? I want to say thank you for just making this club a reality because I've done this for all four years of high school and it's been my two favorite memories out of high school are the senior improv team and this club. Well, that's very sweet, Thomas. Yeah, so this was this has been a, this club has been a big part in I think just making me like a a, a film fan like that I am today, like you know, like the film buff that I am now. Because there's a lot of movies I probably would not have watched if it wasn't for this club, and I think that's pretty cool. And I and I appreciate all the all the different stuff that. Uh, all the different movies you've exposed me to. It was my pleasure. And if, if you can say that you've seen some movies that you wouldn't have seen before without the club, I think that's exactly what it's for. Yeah. So, uh, anything anybody want to add before we call it a summer holiday? Cameron, make them watch Pride and Prejudice next year. Yes, I will. <laughs> and, and Titanic. No. 
<laughs> I will I will I will do Pride and Prejudice. I'm not sure I will do Titanic. <laughs> or maybe, maybe. That's a pretty big maybe. investment of in time. Yeah. Maybe we could do Titanic and the Irishman. Uh, yeah, would be so down to do that. <laughs> like, like a double feature? Or? Yeah, we'll watch them on the same day. Eight hours long, it was just... <laughs> and maybe we could do like a, a live watch along. If it, if it works time-wise for me, I'd be down to come back and, and do that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would like to thank you guys for uh, giving me something to do during COVID and being confined. Uh, I appreciate your flexibility and uh, and your enthusiasm. Thank you for giving us something to do during COVID, Mr. Anderson. To have something to look forward to on a consistent basis during a time when there's a lot of things going on and a lot of things changing has been really nice. It's been nice talking to people that aren't in my immediate family. I agree. Okay. All right. So, uh, thank you all, and uh, for the 2020-2021 Oddity Film Society year, um, thanks, and uh, and we'll get back to it next year. Have an A1 life, listeners. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye.